I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna channel. Hope you're well, hope you're good uh, coming to you on this Tuesday. Of course, after the bank holiday Monday, we took a bit of a break and a bit of a rest yesterday, continuing to process Arsenal's victory over Fulham at the weekend. And we're here now looking ahead to Arsenal's game against Aston Villa. And we've got some injury news to discuss. We've got lots and lots to talk about. I'm delighted to say that joining me from the 19-minute studio... Mike Stavrou, how are you, sir? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Uh, apologies in advance because for the viewers' um, knowledge, we had a Nando's before this. Uh, <laughs> shout out Nando's. Hopefully they can sponsor us or something. Yeah, why um, But yeah, I had a lot of garlic perronade. So, Harry, apologies um, <laughs> for, my, for my garlic breath. Um, but yeah, man, in a night in the it's a nice studio, isn't it? It's slightly better than doing it at home. Get shot at the house a bit. But yeah, it. for sure. For sure. Um, do check out the 90 Min Gas Tank show, which we recorded earlier today. Uh, Mike is, of course, the producer for it now, uh, which is great. And he's doing a great job. So make sure you go over to the 90 Min channel as well and check it out. We always get this. Look, hold on. Uh, is this Harry's younger brother? I don't think we look anything alike. I'm about 15 times better looking than him. Fact. There you go. Fact. There's a lot of horrible <laughs> things I could say right now, but because I'm on a guest on your channel, I, I will refrain. <laughs> Just so you Good know. Good move. Good move. No, go on. Throw one back. Go on. Go on. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I, I could, but it's really horrible. So I'm Just not, one. I'm not going to. I won't get offended. No, I was I was going to. Oh, you said 15 times better looking. I was going to say. 15 times 15. the size. Ha, 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 I didn't say it. You said it. You said it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Look, let's um, let's get into it then, because we are here to preview the game between Arsenal and Aston Villa taking place at Emirates Stadium. The feel-good factor is there. The mood is really positive, of yeah. course, after getting that victory again at the weekend. It wasn't... I don't want to say it wasn't like... I think it was a good performance from Arsenal at the weekend. And in the end, they got what they deserved. But obviously, when you're playing a newly promoted side, and you get over the line the way we did. You score an 85th minute winner. Mm. You can't pass it off as this no. amazing performance. Like it was a very good performance. I've said that in the post match stuff. We got the result. Now it's time to move on. But our preparations for this one have been rocked by some more injury news. Now, um, we heard that Thomas Partey had picked up an injury going into the Fulham game. As a result, he was unavailable. Alexander Zinchenko also had a knee problem which kept him out of the game. And we've heard today that there is a significant injury to Mohamed Elneny. Now, I use the term significant because that is the term that David Ornstein used when he broke this news. First of all, Mike, I think mm. that there was already a desperate need to go out and get another midfield player, yeah. in my opinion, that could yeah. play that deepest role. This has only added to it. What's your kind of initial feelings having heard this news today? Because... Yeah. Thomas Partey's rumoured to be out for another couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Zinchenko could be back. It's touch and go. But how do you feel about that position? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the first thing I heard when I got into the office this morning at about, um, about nine o'clock was that, um, you know, all this, all this stuff coming out about Elneny. And for me, like, the good feeling, Harry, has, has come back and it, it is around the place. You can feel it when you go to the Emirates Stadium. It's the buzz. It's the positivity. It's, you know, everyone being in a good mood, everyone spurring the team on. It's, it's happened in multiple times at the Emirates. When things go bad, 
It's about how the crowd reacts and how they G up. Um, how are they G up the players? Like the Saliba own goal. Yeah. You know, sometimes there'd be groans. Sometimes there'd be, oh, you know, we, we were just leading and they've, they've, they've pegged it back. But no, the crowd has responded um, so positively. Exact same thing with, um, with Gabriel's mistake as well. There wasn't that sort of, you know, audible gasp that you can hear. And the good feeling spreading. But when I heard this news today, it was like, is this, is this what's going to make Arsenal fans spiral? Is this the bad news that we've sort of had in the back of our minds that, you know, it's going so well? What's going to be the thing that sort of, you know, throws a spanner in the works? And I very much think it could be because you look at it, it's not only two players out, party's injured. We don't really know how serious that one is, but Charles Watts of goal said that, you know, it's, it's looking a bit more positive. So that could be a, a, a few games, um, you know, two games maybe. I, I don't know, whatever it is. El, El Nani's out, which means he can't play. And then the guy who we would play probably as, as a number six, if both of those are out, Zinchenko, also didn't play. So it's not only two players, it's pretty much three players that we could play that are senior in that position that we could potentially be missing, which is huge. It's absolutely huge. And not, not only does it have an impact in that position, it has an impact on the left back because, you know, Kieran Tierney came in cold. I thought he was... I didn't think he was poor at the weekend, but I think his weaknesses were exposed. And I think it sort of showed how one-footed he is, um, how his game is ready to go and overlap down the left. And the, the other, what Zinchenko does is a specialised role because he's a midfielder by trade. So for me, it not only weakens us in one position, it weakens us in multiple, and it's really worrying. It is. Arsenal, as a football club, would probably argue, though, and again, this is not my opinion, but I'd imagine this is what we would hit, get back if we were to kind of make a big point of this. I think in the club's eyes, though, you know, I think that the problem in midfield is that when Thomas Partey is not in the side, the drop-off in quality between him and the next in line is far too great. Yeah. Okay, that's my problem with it. But numbers-wise, the club would probably argue that we've got Mohamed Elneny, we've got Sambi Lakonga still at the pace, we've got Zinchenko who can play there. You could potentially put Granit Xhaka there as well. You could even make a case that says Ben White plays in defensive midfield now that Tomiyasu is available again. Yeah. So I guess my question is, do you expect the club to panic by now? Mm. With just a couple of days left in the window, do you accept, yeah. expect them to go out there and really ramp up their efforts to bring in another midfield reinforcement? The, the thing is, is that you, you say that and the, the club, that might well be the club's response mm. um, and say, look, we've, we've got depth. But the, the thing is, and what makes sides that are may, maybe not title winning, but, you know, Champions League qualification teams is that they have players of a very similar level when, when one goes out. So... You look at Spurs' midfield, Hoiberg's injured, they've got Bissouma. You look at like Man, Man City, maybe not last season, because I think they did struggle in defensive midfield. But this a few seasons ago, they would have Rodri and then Fernandinho. So the drop-off in, in quality is not, is, is not as great. Whereas we've got Thomas Partey up here in, in, that, in that lone six role. And Elneny is all the way down here. Zinchenko, I'd like to think that he can play that role. But... He's not, I'm not sure that's really the midfield position he plays. I think he's more of a number eight. Yeah. We don't know what he'd be like physically in that position. We know that his sort of inverted left-back role has been almost forming like a, a double pivot with, with Party at times in games. So we know that he can do a part of that role, but then he has Party next to him. So 
we we don't know if he's at that level. And all the other, the other players that you mentioned, Lokonga, I've never been convinced by him in number six. I think he's slightly forward. So they're not anywhere near that level. It's not like the drop-off is, is tiny and we can sort of get away with it. We saw it the, the other day. We saw how much Elneny struggled to do what party does, which is, you know, take a touch and find that line-breaking pass. Um, he passes it sideways. Um, it's slower. There's There's so many factors that that damages our play when Elneny is, is playing compared to party that's that's what concerns me so I don't think it will be a panic buy I think we've needed uh, a replacement who's on a similar level for a long time I know that it's hard to get and given all of the work that we've had to do in the transfer market in terms of outs and ins it's you know it's not ideal and if these injuries didn't happen I think the club would have said as you said you know we've we've got enough to cover for on, on a short-term basis but now they you know they they've got no choice in my eyes anyway i'd still i'd be surprised though if they went out and spent big money to bring in a midfield player yeah. um between now and the end of the window i'll be surprised if they spend big money on anybody in the last couple of days if i'm being completely honest i know there are fans out there that are probably still holding on to a little bit of hope that we may see a significant piece of business completed but i just don't see it um jid says in the chat uh, can we stop talking about this mysterious drop off when Partey isn't playing. Elneny came in for him last season and was one of our best players for that period. We get it. Partey is a fan favourite. I'm, I'm going to pull you up on that, Jid, just because I do disagree. I actually agree with what Mike was saying in that there are things and elements to Thomas Partey's game that Mohamed Elneny cannot mirror. Can he mirror him in terms of work rate, in terms of effort, in terms of being switched on defensively? Absolutely, he can. We've seen that. He's a model professional in so many ways. But can he progress the ball in the way that Thomas Partey does? No, he can't. Can he break lines in the way that Thomas Partey does? No, he can't. And I think having watched the game back again against Fulham at the weekend, I think, and I don't know if you agree, Mike, feel free to jump in. Mm. There was a reluctance in the back line to give the ball into Mohamed Elneny yeah when he had players around him in the way that there isn't when it's Thomas Partey. Yeah. So even subconsciously, yeah. I think that the rest of the team look at Elneny as, I don't want to go as far as saying a weak link, yeah. but they look at Mohamed Elneny as a downgrade mm -hmm. and that changes the way we play our game. Fulham did a good job of, of cutting off yeah. those passing lanes at the weekend, but none of our play went through the middle in the way that it does so often. Yeah, because I think Gabriel and Saliba know that if they pass to Elneny, what he's going to do, essentially, so you've got the two defenders here, Elneny, Elneny in front, what he's going to do is have his back face into goal and he's going to shift it slightly and either pass back to them or pass to the fullbacks or maybe Odegaard if, if he drops deeper. Yeah. There's none of this, take the ball on the half turn, open out your body and look to spray a ball left or right or, or through the middle to, to Jesus. That doesn't happen with, with Elneny. And like, as, as you say, it's, it's nothing against him. And you know, Jid makes a point that when he did come in, he did he did do well. But I think it's you know it's a small sample size. And um, where I think El Nene excels is when we don't have the ball. I think off the ball he's a brilliant. He he will you know have all the energy in the world. He'll close players down. He will chase every single ball. You know he plays really like like his life's on the line every game. And we're not faulting him for that. We're talking about when when we need to break teams down. And, you know, players are like, like Fulham, like we have 75% possession against Fulham, something like that. 72. 72%. You know, 
the, the onus is on that, on us against the smaller teams to break teams down. And when you've got a midfielder that, because he's not in his repertoire to, to break the lines and, as you say, play those progressive passes, it stifles everything else. And as, as I say, as, as much as it was El Nenny, we really missed um, Zinchenko because we didn't have that extra body that could, you know, get the ball and, and play those passes and sort of move around the pitch. Tierney can't do that. So it's a, it's a double blow, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that, you know, we're sitting here, we're talking about Mohamed El Nenny because we've heard today that he suffered this, and I quote, significant injury. Don't know how serious it is. Don't know how long it's going to be. But I think if you use that term, you're suggesting that he's going to be out for a period of time. Yeah. Um, But I guess you're right in pointing out the Zinchenko point, because although we can look at that struggle, maybe at times on Saturday to progress the ball and pin it all on Mohamed Elneny, actually a big part of what's been good this season has been Zinchenko's uh, involvement in that. Mm. And obviously he wasn't available and he didn't play. And to be without both of them has a big impact. Now, Zinchenko apparently could make the game tomorrow. But at this stage in the season, can you afford to take risks on players? I mean, Zinchenko, from what I know, from what I understand, hasn't got this really bad, worrying, concerning injury record. But Thomas Partey has. And my frustration with this is that if he does go on to miss a couple of weeks, those couple of weeks could be significant. We start our European campaign. We go to Old Trafford on Sunday. But we knew that this was likely with Thomas Partey from, I think I read somewhere today, he's only played 55% of Arsenal's Premier League games since he arrived at the club. That's, that's not good enough. Yeah. So just like I was sitting here in the 90-min studio last week talking about Jurgen Klopp and the fact that he goes into seasons relying on players he knows can't stay fit, Mikel Arteta and the club deserve a similar criticism because they've, they're have they so reliant on Thomas Partey. I said this the other day, Thomas Partey's don't grow on trees. There aren't that many good midfield players that can do that. But what you have to do as a manager and as a football club is minimise the drop-off yeah. it, between him and the next player as much as you possibly can. And what's the, for me, Harry, to, to add to that point, I don't see what the succession plan is with, with Thomas Partey because I thought maybe it was Sambi Lukonga, but then... In, pre- in pre-season this year, he started playing as the number eight. So that tells me that they're not priming him to be the next Thomas Party. They're priming him to be that sort of one of the m- many number of number eights that, that we have that can go box to box. Um, so I look in the squad right now and I don't see anyone that, that is really being ready to, to play that role. Um, and if you look at our options against Villa right now, if Party, Zinchenko and... Uh, and then he obviously, obviously is out. But if those two are definitely out, who are we going to play? And and if we, if we play Lukonga, I think he, he'll have to change the system because I, I don't think Lukonga can, can do that role. That was and my big problem that changes everything, doesn't yeah. it? That was one of my big problems at the back end of last season was because we were without Thomas Partey for so long, we had to revert back. We had to drop Granite Xhaka deeper to sit alongside El Nini because we couldn't, I don't want to say we couldn't trust him because I don't think that's fair to say of someone who always gives 100%. But naturally, Granit Xhaka dropped deeper. We had problems at fullback as well, which again added to that. And you've got to be mindful of that. We're a lot more settled in those positions now. We've got multiple options in those positions. But we had to drop Granit Xhaka back and we went back to the two-man defensive midfield pivot. And that took away something from us in terms of our press, 
in terms of the aggression we were able to play with and in terms of what we were creating as an attacking force. So you really want to avoid that at all costs. And in an ideal world, Zinchenko comes in there and plays and you can stick with Xhaka and Odegaard. I think yeah. Zinchenko could do the Partey role yeah. as well as anybody else in our squad. Um, but yeah, look, it, it is a worry, it is a concern. And, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll come on to talk about the team now that's going to face Aston Villa. Yeah. And we'll kind of do this on a worst case scenario basis. Yeah. In my mind, I know the backline's been good. I know you don't really want to mess around with it. But I'm thinking about Ben White in that defensive midfield position. I think he's got all the attributes to play there. The only thing is, can you get away with that in a Premier League game? Unless you've been training for it, unless yeah. you've been preparing for it. Let's um, let's move on then and talk a little bit about uh, how the team is probably going to look uh, against Aston Villa this weekend. Now, I've gone with the default side. I've basically gone with what we picked last week because the team has won four out of four. Why would you change it if you don't have to? Zinchenko is touch and go. And as I said... Um, we're going to uh, we're going to do it worst case scenario. Some of you in the chat are saying that Zinchenko isn't available according to Mikel Arteta, which I don't know um, yet. We haven't seen any press conferences or anything like that at the time of recording. So I'd imagine the back line would probably be Tierney, Gabriel, Saliba and White. I would take White, pop him in defensive midfield and I would put Takahiro Tomiyasu in at right back. I think that weakens the team less than putting Lukonga in that sixth position. What do you think? I think it's tough because Ben White has never played as a as a number six for us. Um so he wouldn't I doubt he would have ever trained in, in that position. Does he know what, what he has to do? Because it's quite a specific role, isn't it? Um it's quite a tough role because sometimes you are the, the only person in mm. the in the middle of the pitch, sometimes facing you know, you can have three attackers running running at you and you get pulled from, from left to right. It's a very difficult role. Um, so I would worry. Um, I, I would worry. And also, the last time he played number six, Harry, I think was for Brighton. So we're, we're talking about a long time ago, aren't we? And we're talking about levels. Yeah, levels, and we're talking yeah. about levels, of course. So I personally would... would... Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Be hesitant to put him there because I don't know how he'd react. And he's been playing such a different role for us, you know, as a sort of inverted right back um, and operating next to a defensive midfielder. I'm not sure how he'd cope. I think for me, I would look at this sort of 11 and see where there, there could be kind of upgrades. And wh where I look at is I look at Xhaka and I think he's he's played really well this season, don't get me wrong, but he has popped up in the in the box a few times. And really what you want from a player in that position is someone who's got a bit more of a more of a finishing touch, a bit more of a, you know, um, sort of speed speed of, of thought in, in, in a way, if you get what I mean. You know, like a sort of David Silva, Bernardo yeah. Silva type. So that's where I look at that. And I think Xhaka, he has to play. So I would drop him into 
defence midfield, but he'd need help because he doesn't have the legs. So I think if we're going to stick with the same system, whether it's Zinchenko, whether it's um, Tierney at left back, I would tuck them both in, um, in in possession anyway, and make sure that if there is a if there is a breakaway, Tierney zooms in for, from the left and Ben White zooms in from the right, and they give him that cover because yeah. otherwise he could get ripped to shreds. Lukonga for me, it's a bit of a risk because I've not I've n- never been convinced by him at number six. Um, and it's a young player. He's inexperienced. He's not been playing recently. So I think if you throw him in at that position with that much responsibility, he could flop. And what's that going to do for his confidence? So I think for me, you know, out of the current options we have, I'd throw Xhaka in there. And then, so then who plays in that other midfield position that Xhaka occupies now? Who I think plays- you throw in you, you throw in one of the players that's sort of chomping at the bit to get in. So maybe Fabio Vieira. I don't know if he's ready. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe, I think, could, could do a job there. You throw someone in because it's Villa at home. You know, you can sort of sacrifice uh, that the, the sort of defensive capabilities in, in a way. Um, and also you've got this, the sort of back, you know, five at, at times um, with, with a left and right back as well when they're going to be coming back. So I think, yeah, I think Smith-Rowe probably because I think Smith-Rowe is he's gagging to get into this team. He, he's got to be yeah. um, because he's, he's not played at all this season. So for me, that's, that's what I'd do. It's massively unfortunate that we're without both Partey yeah. and Elneny and Zinchenko um, yeah. on the day as well. I don't know what the, the prognosis is with Zinchenko. As I say, some are saying, were saying this morning that he was touch and go, whether he'd make the game uh, coming up tomorrow. Others are saying that Mikel Arteta's confirmed he's out. I don't know yet. But I mean, for me, the more I think about it, and listen, I would try Ben White there. But I think you need to look at that and it might be an option if it was something you were going to have to do for a long period of time. I.e. we know for the next two months we don't have a defensive midfielder. You get him working on it on the training ground. You get him accustomed to the position and you work him in that way. You can't just wake up one day and say, Ben White, you're a defensive midfielder. And actually, if you think about it, at various points last season, that would have been an option for us if that's what Mikel Arteta had in mind. And he never went that way. He never thought of that. He never went, well, maybe thought, I'm sure he thought of it, but he never executed that. He never thought about it seriously enough to make it happen. I guess for me, I want to disrupt the team as least as possible. Okay, I think, as I've said, I still think we played well at the weekend, even without Zinchenko and Partey, but there were elements to our game that we'd seen in the first three weeks that were missing. So Tierney's going to play at left-back, but in midfield... I know a lot of people are not convinced by him, but I think playing Lekonga in there, in that Partey role, means the least disruption to the structure and shape of the team. Whether he can do it or not, whether he'll sink, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think that's what gives us probably the least amount of disruption to the starting eleven and our shape and our game model. And it allows us to be as consistent as we possibly can be Given the personnel, but again, like like Ben White, like you were just talking about, I personally, obviously, I don't know because I'm not a London comedy every day. But you know, has Lukonga been training for that role? I don't think. I'd imagine he's trained a lot more for that role than Ben White. Yeah, of course. But you're still throwing someone in at at the deep, and whereas Xhaka, you know, he's not played that position for a while, but he's played the deepest line midfielder in his career. Mm. He he has, so I think he'd be. A, a bit more of an, and I know what you mean because you're saying that basically you don't want to, you don't want to weaken two positions. You yeah, want to, you yeah, want to yeah. weaken one. Mm-hmm. And really, if you do throw Ben White in there, 
and then you've got Tommy Asu at right back, who's who's a perfect. Well, he you know he's pushing to be a starter, isn't he? So I do understand what you're saying, but I, I, I think for this specific game against Aston Villa at home, I think you can sacrifice Xhaka at number eight and not lose too much, but still have someone dependable and, and reliable in that really important position. Or the other thing we haven't discussed is do we revert to a four-two-three-one for one game? Personally, I I wouldn't do that because I think. We've been working so hard on this new system and we've been blitzing teams with this sort of um, new front five that, that we've got. I wouldn't want to change that because it's the, the, and then it's like you're taking a step backwards. Yeah. Personally, I don't know. Would you consider Ainsley Maitland-Niles? No. No. Why? I think there's I been... I wouldn't either, but no, why? No, I think there's been, there's been too much noise um, around his future. I don't know where his head's at. Um, he's not been coming on as a sub either, has he? So he's not. He's not, he's not, not even been in the squad. He's, he's not been in the squad, you know. So I really have no idea where his head's at, and I've never seen him in in midfield and said, you know, this guy's the one. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, really yeah. impressed. So uh, you may, may, maybe you could make a case for it, but personally, I would just in this game where you have to maybe you know Zinchenko is out this game, but he's going to be back for the next game, and if you risk him in this game, it could be a long term injury. So you just say. Screw it! I'm going to put Xhaka in there and sacrifice, you know, two positions being slightly weaker, but just go for it. But obviously, if Sinchenko's fit, we don't know. Oh, I would throw him in at, at that position because I think he's the mo- he's the most suited out of all yeah, of the options. Yeah. Oh yeah, if if Zinchenko's available, then that's solved. Yeah, it's no debate. Yeah. It doesn't look like he is going to be available. That's the problem. And you know, what my massive, massive frustration is here is that listen, no, no game in the Premier League is a given. Okay, no, no game is one that you're guaranteed to go and pick up three points in. But I just, I feel like we can beat Villa tomorrow, but people are never going to accept that this Arsenal team are moving forward until we go and get a result against one of the traditional big six. Yeah. And we've got Manchester United coming up on, on Sunday. And I would have argued that with those players available, we'd have been in the best shape to beat Manchester United in years at Old Trafford. And we're going to go there with a depleted side, with key players missing, we may well end up getting beaten. And if we do, that negativity yeah. begins to kind of manifest itself within the club. Not within the club, but within the fan base again. Yeah. And I hate that. And, I, and the idea of that is just so frustrating because yeah. everything's been going so well up until now. This has the potential to derail us, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you could look at it that way, or you could just look at it that it's, it's unlucky. But if the team can't cope with a with a few injuries, then you know, what does that say? We should. But really... this for me is the one position, yeah, that we can't have an injury. Well, you then, know, that, then, 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 then you have to look at, at, it's, at Edu it's... and and the and the club, then, don't you? Yeah. Like, if it's... you're if you're one or two injuries away from disaster, then that tells you that that the squad in in this current iteration is not strong enough. Yeah, because, because you have to you you have to fight on all fronts, and as you say, like they knew about Thomas Partey's mm-hmm. fitness, they they knew that he's been injured a lot of his Arsenal career, the majority of it of his Arsenal career almost. So they would have not had that in the back of their minds and said, look, he's he's going to get injured at some point. And any they they would never have been sus- suspected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, never fair. gets injured, yeah. and that's but even then. They must have felt that Elneny was a good enough deputy to step in. Otherwise, they would have signed someone. Yeah. So, look, at the end of the day, like as, as unlucky as, as we can get with injuries, if the squad depth is not there, we're going we're gonna to struggle. And I still think the squad depth is not there. 
in other areas as well. I still think we're we're short of a winger because if Bakayo Saka gets 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 injured, we've lost Pepe, but we've not brought in anyone to replace him. Yeah, but I would argue, like, I would look at the front. I would look at the rest of the teams. Like, Ramsdale is out. You know, Arsenal clearly feel that Matt Turner is good enough. That remains to be seen. Don't know enough about him. Haven't seen enough of him. But he's a backup keeper. Yeah. So what are you going to do? He's a, he's a backup keeper. You move into the defence. You know, you've got Tommy Asu at right back. Ben White can cover there, as he has done brilliantly. You look at the left, you've got Tierney and Zinchenko. Yeah. You look at centre-back, you've got Saliba, Gabriel. You've got, um, you know, White can play there. Tommy Asu can even play there. Holding, you know, we've, we've spoken about holding many times over the years, but it is what it is. You move into the, the remainder of the midfield. And Arsenal will obviously feel that Fabio Vieira can play as one of the eights. Okay, you look at the wide positions. You would say that, okay, if Saka's out, is Emil Smith Rowe a massive downgrade on Saka? I don't think he's a downgrade at, at all. At right he's different. wing, he is. He's a different type of player. But then you could put Martinelli out on the right wing. You could put Eddie Nketiah on the right wing. You could put Gabriel Jesus on the right wing. There's options in the other areas. But this was the one area for me that if we picked up a significant injury, we'd be up shit street. And that's why it's so annoying because we know that this player can't stay fit. We've seen it time and time again. And when you ignore a problem that constantly rears its head, then you're being negligent, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's that's the issue here. And 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 sentiment as well. Because, you know, even though you're saying we've got Vieira who can potentially play as a, as a number eight, number ten, we've not we've not seen him. Yeah. Um and for me, I said right from the beginning of the window, I think we need an upgrade on, on Granit Xhaka. And he's been great. It's not a slight on him, but I still think we need someone who is in that position that can play the Bernardo Silva, the David Silva role that we clearly want to play because we're basically copying, you know, Pep Guardiola's tactic. You know, not, I'm not saying we're copying it exactly, but it's the same system. Yeah. Um. So I still feel central midfield and central defensive midfield, maybe someone that, that can do both. Someone like a, a bit of a Xhaka who, who you know, is, is competent as a centre mid, but can also play as a defensive mid. I, I, I think we needed someone like that. And I think I've been shouting about it for ages. And I still think, despite what you say about players in the front three switching, you know, if Martinelli goes out to the to the right wing, then that's already a, a starting 11 member. So then we lose him on the left. Do you know what I mean? So I still think we needed that player like, a, I'm not saying Rafinha exactly, but that of that ilk, of that, that, that could come in and, and challenge those front three straight away. I totally away. agree with you that we needed probably another one. But my point is that it's not... If For me, if Bukayo Saka... If I heard this morning that Bukayo Saka was out ahead of tomorrow's game, my reaction wouldn't be anywhere near as dramatic as it has been around Thomas Partey. I get that. I and, get that. and around the midfield because... Yeah, you take Martinelli off the left, but Emil Smith-Rowe's good from the left. Yeah, I haven't got any issue with him playing. He's massively unlucky because in my opinion, and people would disagree with this, in terms of technical ability, in terms of football brain, in terms of ceiling, I would say he's probably better than Bukayo Saka, potential-wise. I think he's got more elements to his game that I appreciate but as he's a footballer. Not, but not, but he's not, not in that position, I agree. From the left, he's, he's not, fine. No, on the right, I'm talking about. So I know, yeah. You're, you're, right. you're talking about if... If Saka drops out of the team right now, we've got no one that can that can get to. Get but the to club that level. will say we've got Jesus, but then you're going to lose your striker, Marquinhos. Not is he ready. ready. I don't know. Is he ready? I don't know. But they, is obviously... Fabio Vieira ready? We've not seen them, don't so know. I think it's, I think it's hard to say. Um, and yeah, look, I, I I agree with you. I think centre mid CDM 
was more important to to, to strengthen yeah. than wing, but they're still both important for yeah. me anyway. No, I agree with that. I agree that both areas need addressing. Look, guys, there's over 600 of you with us live right now across the multiple platforms, and we've only got 75 likes on the board. That is simply not good enough. So please do smash that like button. Let's get up to 250 at least. Uh, let's take this super chat. Uh, very kind of you. Uh, Gunner Down Under says, uh, how are you, my man? He says, notice the difference. Missing Zinchenko. He tucks into cover. Xhaka letting Martinelli play wide and Xhaka more advanced. Tierney can overlap Martinelli and we're missing his input in attack. Yeah, I, I agree that Tierney's great with the overlap. And do you remember, I think it might have been a year and a half or so ago now, when Mikel Arteta came out and said, Tierney and Martinelli doesn't work together. Do you remember he said that? Because yeah. of Martinelli's want to pull really wide and start on the touchline, therefore shutting down the channel that Kieran Tierney likes to attack. And I think there is, there is an element of truth to that. And I think that's why you've seen Martinelli thrive with Zinchenko, who instead steps infield and then essentially allows him that space in the wide areas to do his stuff. So, so much to unpack, so much to unpack. But I just, I'm really desperate just to see Arsenal just get another victory, keep the momentum going and go into Old Trafford. Yeah. Even if we've got a depleted side with, with the confidence that we've built over the start of this season. Uh, Gunner Down Under has also sent another uh, very kind donation. Thank you so, so much, mate. He says, there's no way we don't sign another midfielder come deadline day. If Tielemans was our main target, he would have been done like our other signings early. Our backup option there has to be another mystery. Do you think there'll be a mystery incoming? Because I, I, I can't see it. Time's running out fast. Yeah. What are, there's, there's two things. Um, I think if they wanted Tielemans, then they would have got him already. Because I think Agreed. Leicester City, you know, he has a year left on his contract. He obviously wants to leave. Um, and Leicester City have not got the fee that, that maybe not got the interest that, that they would have hoped for. Now, the only thing is, is if it gets to the last few days of the window as it is now, and they are going to see no return on, on their money next season because they'll go for free. I mean, you know, they'd be silly not to accept a, a 15 million offer. You'd try, wouldn't you? you I would, would try. try. You would yeah. try. Maybe they'll just take the loss. But, you know, the current financial situation they're in, I don't really think they can, they can do that. So that's, that's one thing. Second thing, the January window showed that we don't panic. So I think this news right now, Harry, Harry might be right in saying, no, might be right. Yeah, could God. be right in saying that they are, you know, satisfied with, with the options that, that they have. And they could just put it down to bad luck and just say, look, we've got two players in the same position, maybe three was Zinchenko injured at the same time. That's bad luck. But, you know, the January window, we needed a striker. Obviously, we'd lost to Bamiyang. Lacazette was leaving at the end of the season. We needed a striker. We didn't sign one. We looked at internal solutions. When Lacazette wasn't firing, we tried Eddie and Kessie up. So we might try something different. So I wouldn't say it's a guarantee that we're going to sign a midfielder. I would love to. I think, as I just said, I think it's been an upgrade we needed this summer. Last year, I've, I've said it, an upgrade on Xhaka. But don't be surprised if, if, if we don't get one. It's the last... You know, this injury news is public. The teams are going to know that, that, that we're desperate for a midfielder. So they'll, yeah. pump, they'll bump the price up. And it's deadline day. They don't want to lose their players either. As much as we wouldn't want to lose one of one of our best players, they're not going to want to do that. So it's difficult. It's so difficult. Absolutely. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. I know we haven't focused too much on the game 
itself. But we did need to talk about the injury news. We've talked about various ways of trying to cope with that, at least in the interim, whether or not we think Arsenal will dip into the transfer market once again before the window slams shut. Um, we will be back after the game, of course, uh, to bring you some instant reaction from Emirates Stadium. And then the full podcast uh, will come out the following I might do it the same night, but maybe the following morning, just depending on what time I get home. I feel like I have more time to process and, and sort of really gather my thoughts when I do it the next morning. I know a lot of people prefer it on the night. We'll see. Uh, but thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Mike, we're going to finish up with a prediction. Arsenal, Aston Villa. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean... Heart Way to says, fill me with confidence. <laughs> my heart says 1-0 win. With the current situation right now, my, my head says 1-1 draw, unfortunately. I'm going for a 2-0 Arsenal win. I think we've, we've, almost, we've almost overlooked the fact that Villa have had a dreadful start to the season. That's Mind true. you, they've got to come good at some point, I guess. But anyway, uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe and if you're listening on the podcast platforms, please do leave us a review. We'll be back very soon with more Arsenal content. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs>